Hi, I'm Mackenzie. I'm Fakriti. I'm Reese. I'm Lauren. And I'm Aaliyah. So today we're going to be talking about the novel To Kill a Mockingbird and specifically the role of woman and femininity in the novel. This novel was published in 1960 and written by Harper Lee and is basically the start of the southern gothic fiction genre. This novel has been a subject of controversy for many years due to the heavy subject matter. Though To Kill a Mockingbird deals with many heavy subjects including social class, race, justice, and fear, one of the most prominent subjects is women and femininity which interlaces itself with many of the other subjects. The novel is told from the point of view of a young girl named Jean Louise, who is nicknamed Scout, and follows her adventures with her older brother Jem and her best friend Dill. It also focuses on her father Atticus and his controversial trial defending a black man who has been accused of raping a white woman. Now, woman and femininity have been a subject that has been discussed for hundreds of years, and, it, and the definition have morphed with the times. So for clarity's sake, we're going to be defining and discussing women and femininity, mostly referring to expectations placed upon women to achieve ideal standards of being a woman or lady in the South during the Great Depression, including behavior, attitude, vanity, looks, and etc. So let's start out with Scout and the expectations we see placed on Scout throughout the novel, as well as how her behavior changes and the treatment her and other females endure throughout the novel. Scout is expected to be interested in boys, gossip, clothes, wearing makeup, being a lady, having good posture, being able to cook and clean, and doing her hair. She's, as stated earlier, expressed to dress more girly, even though she prefers things like pants, which are normal. And she is expected to have a pleasant attitude, and she's supposed to be quiet, kind, and have good posture, and normally ladies aren't supposed to talk unless they're dressed. So, with regard to their treatment, she's often excluded from hanging out with Dill and Jem. And uh, she recalls uh, that, I reluctantly played assorted ladies who entered the script. I never thought it as much fun as Tarzan. There are also multiple marriage proposals. In the book it says, Dill is becoming something of a trial anyway, following Jem about. He had asked me earlier in the summer to marry him, then he promptly forgot about it. He asked me out, marked as his property, said I was the only girl he would ever love, then he neglected me. I beat him up twice, but it did not did no good. He only grew closer to Jen. This shows that after he proposed to Scout, he considered the fact that she was there and he no longer needed to care for her because she was now, in his mind, his. See, it, there was no meaning behind the proposal. It was like, oh, you're the only girl I'll ever love. Will you marry me? Doesn't matter if you there's respond. Six. Now you're mine. And now and she's a property. Scout also gets shamed for being for not being like a lady. She's she mostly only had boy influences boy influences in her life, so she never really had a good lady role model to look up to. So now let's talk about Scout's feminine influences. Throughout the novel, Scout is influenced by multiple women in her life, including Miss Maudie, Calpurnia, Miss DeVos, and her Aunt Alexandra. Each woman has a very different influence upon Scout's life, and each has a different personality and perception of their role as women in society. Many of these characters represent a very typical feminine stereotype, like the gossip, the old traditional woman, and the school teacher, which shows kind of a centralized idea of a traditional lady who behaves and looks a specific way. Calpurnia, for example, is Scout's family's black housekeeper, and as previously stated, she serves a feminine influence for Scout. Growing up without a mother, Scout grows up in a household filled with males, her, with Atticus, her father, and Jem, her brother, and Dill. Although they are not related, it is clear from earlier on in the novel that Calpurnia is the closest thing that Scout and Jem have to a mother figure. 
Through Calpurnia, Scout also begins to learn about the harsher aspects of the place where she is growing up. With Calpurnia, Scout's understanding of segregation and racial disparities between whites and blacks becomes much more prominent. Throughout the novel, there are many instances that show Scout's desire to have a feminine influence on her life. For example, when she asks if she can come and see Cal sometimes. The response is, she looks down at me. See me, honey. You see me every day. Out to your house, I said. Sometimes after work, Atticus can get me. Anytime you want, she said, we'd be glad to have you. Adding to the very few females in her life, Miss Maudie is Scout's next-door neighbor who seeks out when Jem and or Dill reject her. To Scout, she is a female companion. She begins to look up to her as a positive or ideal feminine influence. Uh, the, one example of this is when she says, That ain't right, Miss Maudie. You're the best lady I know. Of course, Scout's perception of a lady, right? Is very limited due to the limited amount of feminine role models in her life. But... Their relationship grows and develops throughout the novel, and they become almost friends, despite their large age difference. Mr. Bose was yet another feminine influence in Scout's life, and she was an old recovering morphine addict in her neighborhood with strong opinions and a patronizing demeanor. She seemed very threatening to Scout and Jem and ill-tempered to everyone else, but she had some character about her that made her significant to Scout and Jem. She told both of them about courage and not following society, society's ideals in life. During one instance, she says, What are you doing with those overalls? You should be in a dressing camisole, young lady, obviously aimed at Scout. However, she herself did not necessarily follow the ideals that a lady should in society, shown by her rumored pistol that she carried in her shawl and uh, recovering morphine addiction and her awful, awful behavior towards Scout and Jim. And oftentimes um, Scout would mention she had her own views about things a lot different from mine, which was very true. They only, got they only didn't get along because their views were different, not because either of them were right. However, Ms. Bose, as said by Atticus, had her own type of courage and was also faced by the demons of this world. Uh, Aunt Alexandra, another main influence on Scout, is the epitome of a Southern belle, representing all that was romanticized about the South and also what the expectations for women were during that time. Aunt Alexandra was the last of her kind. She had a riverboat, boarding school manners, let any moral come along, and she would uphold it. She was born in the objective case. She was an incurable gossip. She basically, Anne Alexandra is what we think of when we think of the stereotypical Southern Belle. Quote taken from page 140. Aunt Alexandra also set some expectations for Scout and restrictions um, by saying, I could not possibly hope to be a lady if I wore breeches. When I said I could not do anything in a dress, she said I wasn't supposed to, do, to, to be doing things that required pants. Aunt Alexander's vision of my deportment involved playing with small stoves, tea sets, and wearing the out-of-pearl necklace she gave me when I was born. Furthermore, Auntie said that one had to behave like a sunbeam, that I was born good but had grown progressively worse every year. The last feminine influence we're going to be talking about today is Mayella Ewell, the daughter of Robert Ewell, and who was the white woman accusing Tom Robinson, the black man, of rape. Early on in the court case, it becomes clear to the reader that Mayella, along with her siblings, are abused by their father. 
Now, it is easily arguable that Mayella is a detestable character with her racist slurs, overdramatic behavior, accusatory tones, and false accusations. But at the same time, Mayella is also a victim. She has been abused by her father for years, and it is interfered, in, inferred that she has also been sexually assaulted by her father. During her time to be questioned, she seemed uneasy and uncertain about all of her answers. Most of the questions Atticus asked, she did not answer. She also gave off the impression that she felt guilty about accusing Tom Robinson. One quote by Atticus was, Did you scream first at your father instead of Tom Robinson? Was that it? No answer. Who beat you up? Tom Robinson or your father? No answer. Mayella's face was a mixture of terror and fury. So, relating to us and the current events, let's talk about the wage gap. Women work at the same jobs with the same amount of work, maybe even more, that men do, but get paid less. Women earn about 80 cents for every dollar a man makes, according to Pew Research, the article written by Eileen Patton. Adding to this inequality between women and men is the feminine hygiene tax where tampons, pads, or other feminine hygiene products are marketed as luxury items, which means they're taxed. An average woman needs to buy $85 worth of tampons each year. If we estimate that a woman needs these products from ages 12 to 50, then she would spend 38 years buying 85 products each year. This totals to be $3,230 in a lifetime. There are also doctor's appointments that women need to go to in order to stay healthy, and if you have good insurance, they usually cost up to 20, uh, cost 25 to 50 dollars, and without insurance, it can cost up to 200 dollars. So, men razors are marketed as necessary items, where tampons which means they're not taxed. Yeah, which where tampons and oftentimes women's razors are marked as luxury items because. Men can always find ways around razors, and they can get cheaper razors, expensive razors, but women don't really have much of a choice unless they want to have a bad hygiene. Each woman in California spends about $7 per month on feminine, feminine hygiene project, products, which adds up to $40 million spent each month by all women combined in California. This adds up to $20 million in annually in taxes. These expenses on top of their already lower salary. As you can tell, this is a very controversial, controversial subject because these hygiene products for women are necessary, while men have more of a flow of choice for razors. For example, they buy razors depending on their hair type, their preferences, etc. But girls, on the other hand, don't have much of a choice on the matter. Women's haircuts also, on average, cost near to $40, whereas men's haircuts cost near to 25 And just to think that men get paid more than women. And yes, women's haircuts are typically more elaborate, but that is because they're marketed to be that way. Which, which is also kind of moves into social ideals. But yeah. This is also similar to shampoo. Women's is on average $8 and men's is on average $5. Also, due to women usually having longer hair, we run out of the shampoo quicker than men. It can be argued that women are willing to spend more on their hair than men. But again, the media markets that we should care more about our hair. Now, pretty separately from this uh, is the subject of abortion and birth control. Women are scorned often or looked down upon for getting an abortion. They're expected to keep the child or put it up for adoption. And men, men are not held to any of these expectations. 
Many times it is not the fault of the woman. She didn't oftentimes choose to be pregnant and more often than not does not consider herself ready for children or even want children in the first place. And that also brings up the issue of birth control. Birth control costs about $15 to $50 even a month and is exclusive to women. And not only this, it oftentimes creates lasting health issues for women. Although there is so much more to discuss about the inequalities women face current day every single day, we have to wrap it up. So, Through Scout, it's easy to see the ideal of femininity, the expectations of a woman in society, and also the discrimination against women that really still exists today. But really, there's a lot more to talk about with regard to women and femininity, like how media now affects people's perceptions of these injustices. Also, how this is changing, ch changing, changing, <laughs> due to those who stand up for what is unfair in these areas. This leaves us with questions regarding femininity. Not questions with answers, but questions that have been open for debate for hundreds of years. What do you guys think about when you hear the word femininity? And also for the women, how, what kind of things do we all experience? And how often and what expectations do we feel in society? Why has the topic of femininity been so controversial and oft, often have negative have negative connotation. To Kill a Mockingbird undoubtedly leaves the reader with deeper social understandings of the society we live in, and yet somehow also leaves the readers with questions regarding the things in society that are not questioned, expected, and somehow extremely problematic.